Welcome to Everything is Television. My name is Justin Blizzard. I'm Keith Krupko. And I'm Chris Summers. Uh, I'm going to need Keith to bring it down just a little bit. Oh, okay. You sound a little too excited there. Okay. <laughs> While this, I look up the name of the episode. Is this better? <laughs> yeah. Tell me. That's your... Uh, I'm going to lounge even farther back in my position. Just mm-hmm. tell me when I get to the right relaxed level. That's your uh, Trump is winning voice of defeat, um, right? You're asking me to bring it way down. We are going to be talking about episode three of 11 63 called Other Voices, Other Rooms. <clears throat> um, general Can, impressions? Well, on, on this Super Tuesday, because this is Super Tuesday that we're recording this. Okay. Can I just say, John Oliver, I thought, brought up a, a salient point that I thought tied in nicely with uh, our show here. Um, did you listen to his, his drumpf rant? Yes, I did. Did you, Chris? No, I did not. You know who John Oliver, though? John Oliver is, though, right? Yes, but I have not watched his show as of yet. Okay. Well, he goes on this rant, um, basically taking down, uh, Trump. I, I, in my head, I referred to him as drumpf Mm -hmm. still ever since I heard that, um, but the one thing he said is he's like, it'll be very interesting if Trump gets voted into office because that will be the moment when all the time travelers will come back to try and stop. Mm-hmm. And I found that that was like a very interesting, if God forbid he is, that will be the best proof if we will ever figure out time travel. Because I 100% believe that. Like I believe that we are on the cusp of a JF Kennedy moment, mm-hmm. you know, where uh, if he's elected, that's the turning point for all of humanity. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, so, I mean, anyway, in 50 years, I think people will be watching a miniseries event all about uh, going back and stopping Trump right. from January being born. 17th. 2017 January 20th 2017 right that's the inauguration date just I'm gonna need you to bring it up a little bit please I think Trump uh, I, I think he's just kind of a buffoon I don't think he's as malevolent malevolent as everyone's making him out to be you know, I, I would rather have Trump over any of the other Republican nominees. Don't, don't you think the word buffoon is kind of superfluous? Because it's so close to the word baboon. And baboon is just so much more descriptive, I feel like. I feel like calling Trump a baboon is more fitting. Don't you? He had some good zingers after the last debate, though. It, what did you see? I, he was talking about Rubio. <laughs> Wait, he had some good one-liners. What, was Rubio the one who was talking about sweating? Yeah. <laughs> yes, that was actually... Yeah, he said he looked like he fell into a swimming pool. He was pretty funny. <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's funny, but everything about him is not funny. Sure. Yeah. So. Okay, so let's talk about what we're here to talk about. Let's get down to Super brass Tuesday tacks. results. Yeah. Uh, general impressions of the episode. 
Who, want, who, who, who wants to go first? Um, I guess I'll go first. Hmm. Well, but it's interesting because, you know, my notes, I wrote right, right in the beginning of the episode where it starts, what it says, you know, November 1st, 1963. I wrote down dumb first line. And I can't remember what the first line of the episode was. <laughs> but I remember thinking, boy, that was dumb. All right. So it's, it starts with, does it start with a, with a voiceover? No, it's definitely the bartender that says the line. Oh, when they're in the car. In the train. Yeah. Or something. Where'd you get this? Something he's, along. He's basically talking about the JFK. Oh, that's it. You're exactly right. He had just asked him that question at the end of the episode in the rain with mm-hmm. the gun. And the mm-hmm. new episode mm-hmm. starts. And they're in the car. Clearly, they've been driving a little while. And he says the same thing. What well, did you know? Did you hear he asks it again in the car? Like... A minute later, he's just like, but where'd you get this? And I'm like, it has the date on it. Yeah. It's still, the, the, yeah. It's a newspaper. You, you know a newspaper is, and it's got a date on it. Right. The bartender is tough to swallow. He's not a very good character. He's not in the book. That's what I was going to ask. How involved is this kid in the book? He's not. He's, he's not, not, he's not at all. in the book? No. He's a creation. Oh, man. So this guy's not in the book at all. No. So if, he is a combination of a bunch of characters. Right, like I said right, right. That, yeah, that's what I was going to say. If he is in the book, he's a combination of characters. Right. But um, no, he's not in the, he's not in the book. No, he's intolerable. He's, he's, he's ruining, absolutely ruining the show for me. He's ruining the show. And also the moment where James Franco is convinced to bring him along. It's just like you couldn't, you, you couldn't bring a, a, along a heavier anchor. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like th- than this guy from from yeah. step one, he's proving himself to not be up to the task of helping you. And the whole episode proves him to be unfit for this calling. Mm-hmm. And he's still there. And I, the fact that they didn't even attempt to write him any better than that character has been written on. 200 shows before is completely and utterly depressing because you get the sense that he's a throwaway character and he's treated as a throwaway character because he's so stupid. Yet he's literally become the main character besides James Franco. And his name is Bill. He's in, was in the entire episode there. You know, that scene where you just talked about it, where they're in the car and, He's whining and he's doing the whole no one loves me and, you know, bring me along type of thing. That felt like the moment where you get pulled over by a cop for speeding and you know you're getting a ticket. And then the cop gives you a little bit of that, like, oh, maybe I won't give you a ticket. And you feel that relief come on only for him to just rip the ticket out and give it to you. (laughs) Yes, that was that moment for me. I was so I thought we were getting out of this guy Mm -hmm. and we didn't. And it was just as awful as I imagined. The whole episode. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'll say that for whatever reason, maybe it has more to do with the fact that I'm, uh, I watch this show when there is literally nothing else better I could be doing with my time. 
mm-hmm. that it still has not fallen off for me that much. I'm still interested to see what happens. I'm still, you know, curious in the relationships. Like, yeah, the bartender kid stinks, and the show is kind of making itself increasingly easier to nitpick, Mm -hmm. which is definitely an issue, but maybe it's just the premise. Something has allowed me to not get too hung up in those things. I think you have a man crush on James Franco. For example, I will <laughs> say I thought James Franco was good in this episode. I know you did. But f- as an example, during that same scene you guys were just talking about. The car he, scene? Yeah. he. One of those lines is he he comes out, the bartender, and he's like, I read all this, right? What does this mean? And I'm thinking like, you just read all this stuff that James Franco has been like studying for weeks or that like he had to look over all night long. You just read that in the like two seconds that you snuck up on him and found these papers in his car. <laughs> like the, the whole thing just makes no sense at all. And right. it totally is just like, look, we have to get from here to here in literally like 30 seconds of screen time. How do we do it? And it's just kind of like, you have to either completely overlook that and just try and look at, you know, where the story is going or you can get hung up. And I think normally I would I would be getting hung up on those things. But for whatever mm-hmm. reason, it's not I'm definitely noticing it, but it just doesn't bother me that much. Okay, we've in our other shows that we've covered, we've been accused of nitpicking the shows. Yeah. And my my thing is, is I only bring up the nitpicks if the show allows me to focus on them by not being interesting or not being well-written in other areas. And this was the episode where my nitpicks came home to roost and they multiplied and they've, they're increasing mm-hmm. beyond my control. <laughs> and the show needs to get it under control um, if it wants to keep me engaged because this is the episode where I realized um, do you remember that scene when they get to Dallas finally and he decides to keep Bill along and they go to the place where Kennedy is assassinated right they're in the street they're in the street mm-hmm. they're in the middle of the street for like 10 minutes I used to live in Fort Worth that street is busy yeah, well, it's busy 60 years later. It may not have been that busy in 1960. It's a, it's, a use, it's a common street to drive on, and they're literally walking down the middle of it since maybe a while because they're, they're already in the middle of the street, and they just stand in the middle of the street. And I know that they're, that they're doing that to get the shot yeah. where the camera angles down mm. and you have them against the book depository. But it's so stupid. I, I get out of the street. I, I think right, I, Chris. I think I forgave them for that because they were just trying. Just like you said, they're just trying to set the scene. Exactly, and and that's how shows and movies work. I get it, right? Like we are putting these characters in this specific place because we want to pay it off visually. So just go with it, and I do go with it if the story's worth 
going with. But with Bill, Bill gets on the the Amberson team by being a by whining and threatening to leave, which is the best thing he could have done. And then that that's what sways Franco. It's like give this guy a skill. Mm-hmm. The only skill they give him is a is a whipped back. That's just like mm-hmm. is that is that the only thing you're gonna give me to like care about this character? You're not gonna give him a skill. We'll just make sure that he was abused as a kid. Mm-hmm. Now, do you guys feel good about turning him away? You know, <laughs> yeah. It's it's just a a complete character built on on sympathy, and uh, and it's false sympathy. Um. Well. I will say I do agree. I'm probably being a little hard on the show. I'm not like hating it in that I'm still watching it in my spare time and, you know, somewhat enjoy. There's parts of it that I do enjoy, so I don't want to make it sound like it's terrible. But uh, there is just it's just like you said, Keith, there's so many little things that are wrong with it, that it's kind of frustrating because it didn't have to be that way. It just seems so obvious. It. The biggest thing being the time skipping, how they're putting in these seemingly meaningless scenes and then two years later. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> one of that's definitely one of the things that came away from this to me the most disappointing thing about the show so far is just that it feels rushed. The the eight episode miniseries feels more you know, it's probably a budgetary thing and whatever. Right. But it just feels more like an arbitrary decision than it is a decision like we've got this story and eight episodes is the perfect length of time to tell the entire story. Oh, absolutely. It just feels too rushed and condensed. And like I was saying, I like the characters. I like the world. I like the scenario and the possibilities. Mm -hmm. I want more of it. I don't want this stuff to be rushed through. You know what I mean? Um, so to me, that's been the biggest disappointment so far, but something, um, and I'm not even saying the show, I don't think even handled this question very well. But one thing I thought about is how easily do you think you would be convinced if someone walked in the door and was like, I'm a time traveler. Right? How do they prove that to you? Well, I know how you would would be proven. He'd show you his little uh, sports yeah. book. Well, I mean, that's the obvious and you're done. answer, right? <laughs> For some reason, it took the, they didn't do that in the show, or it took them a while to get around to even mentioning it. But, I mean, that seems like the most obvious answer. I'm just saying, like, is, would that be enough to convince you? If somebody walked in here and said, you know, you know two, two or three weeks ago, whenever the Super Bowl was, and was like, before the Super Bowl was on, I was like, look, uh, Broncos are going to beat the Panthers. This is the exact score, you know, and this is, you know, some other, other stat. Would that be enough to be like, okay, or you just be like time travel is impossible. Mm-hmm. This is a crazy person. They'd have to have some, I'd have to wait until they can prove it. So like with the scores and, and the boxing matches, I'd have to wait to those dates. I, I believe, and maybe it's just my preparation of, of movies and books. But I feel like I never understood characters in these stories who didn't believe after somebody's like, I'm from the future. And they're like, prove it. It's like, here's the score of the game. that's going to happen. They're like, 
Yeah, I, but I, mean, I still don't believe. It's but like, if you well, think what, about what, it, like time travel's impossible. We know that. No, for it's fact. not. I mean, do we do we know it's it's impossible? Yes. We just found out there are gravitational waves. So what? So what? Guess what? Guess what exists before we found that out? Gravitational waves. Exactly. Everyone knows those things exist. No, no, they didn't. That's the whole point. What are you talking about? No, the point is that they were created by <clears throat> Black holes colliding. Exactly. Do you know what happens when you go inside a black hole, Justin? No, nobody does. Okay, exactly. We don't know yet. What if that's the? It's uh, not secret? time travel. Who you knows? die. You know. You don't know what happens. You you're dead. That's what happens. I don't know. I'd like to you send die. you in a black hole. This is not you know, <laughs> interstellar. Figure this out. But I'm just saying, like, put a GoPro on you, <laughs> kick you in a black hole. Uh, okay. I'm just saying, time travel is impossible. We know it's that. It's getting ugly in here. <laughs> I think well, my now Trump on, comments really have you rattled. You, well, Justin's on my home <laughs> turf, and I'm I'm very relaxed. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, I think I'm feeling a little more feisty. Um, no. So I mean, yeah, I I would. I mean, what would your brain go to for an explanation? If, yeah, if I, if, if I yeah, if I predicted four straight sporting matches and got all of them perfectly right, I mean, what what would be the f- use in fighting that and being like, I still don't believe it. Sure, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I, to me, it just is like I, I I don't know what I because even if you are going along with it, you I there's still a part of your brain that's gonna be like, there's no way this is real. There's no way this is real. And, and all that to say that is his name Bill, the bartender, whatever his name is. He just Bill. is like, prove it. And then Franco really does nothing to prove it. And he's just like, all right. You'd assume Franco would be a little bit more prepared to answer the questions. <laughs> That's true. Because he is like <laughs> clueless. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Franco's acting like he has no idea about... Uh, hasn't a book been written about time travel before, uh, he's from modern day. Hasn't he read a book about time travel yet? I mean, it's not a new premise. And I feel like he's going back there as if a guy who who doesn't understand the past the, or, or how time travel, watch Back to the Future. You know, he's not acting like a guy who even has the basic knowledge of somebody who's seen at least two of the three Back to the Future films. And then the other thing that complicates it is he's also so unmoved and untouched by the decisions that he makes in the past. He just keeps like bouncing back and keeps like not internalizing anything that's happened. He's just come from killing a man and Mm -hmm. fleeing from Kentucky and he gets to Dallas and he's, and he's back to being his like impish, you know, like flashback. Aren't there flashbacks? Just there was flashbacks. He had a, he had a feet, uh, a dream. Yeah. Yeah, he had a nightmare. And why, then why was now the guy on like, top of him when he was having the nightmare? Did you catch that? Uh, he Yeah, he was like going to get water or something. I don't, I don't know. know. I think that was a hint of something to come, if you know what I mean. No pun intended. Gay stuff? Whoa, you said it, not me. How how do you feel about the role and portrayal of racism in the show? Uh, oh, we heard our first N-word. Yes. I know Chris oh, yeah. got excited about that. Uh, a little bit. We also <laughs> got James Franco, you know, and they're doing the overly, he's overly nice to the black girl, and she... Miss Mimi. 
And she, in turn, mm. is actually kind of mean back to him when she calls him out. I thought that was right. really, I didn't appreciate that. Because he's like going out of his way to show everyone. It, it's, to, to me, it was the, it, it's an unironic case of the white savior that I, I couldn't believe that they did. This kind of, you know, Miss Mimi is just like, this is the world I live in. Or, you know, the coffee. Number one, the coffee. Miss Mimi, can I pour you a cup? And everyone's what? like, scandalized. Yeah, that was a little much. That was, that was a, that li- was a and much. even Miss Mimi's like, <gasps> and it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I Look, I wasn't alive in the early 60s. I don't know if I just randomly, in a very progressive seeming school, where the principals are like, don't give Miss Mimi any guff. If I was like, yeah, hey, you want me to pour you a cup of coffee? People would be like, oh my God. And then the other thing is with the with the uh, gas attendant. Okay, quickly, before you go to the gas attendant, I want to say I had the same thought. I thought this seems ridiculous, but I was not there to experience it, so maybe it's not. Secondly, that exact scene, there is blurriness in that scene that is <laughs> Here we go. unnecessary. Here we go. The student is blurry when he should not be blurry. Uh, and I'm telling you, there is blurriness in this show, and the, it's driving me people, bonkers. People can check Justin's proof on our Twitter account. The last at picture, look at is. it. This kid is blurry. Hmm. It, you, know what, you know what I think it is? I think it's they shot this on digital, and they're trying to do the effects to make it look like film. And it's just as cheaply and poorly done. And so what you get is like, the top fifth of every single scene is blurred out beyond recognition and it's bleeding over into like character's hair and this poor kid high school student's face. It just is. It's insane. I was thinking, I don't know how nobody else is seeing it. I didn't see it, but I'm, I'm more leaning towards the fact that they're being so cheap that they're actually filming this in like actual non set places. And that's a non extra in the background. And they just have to blur his face out. So they don't have to pay him. They couldn't, <laughs> they couldn't get clearance here. Here's my thing. I just find it funny that based on our conversation, I would be easier to convince that somebody was a time traveler <laughs> other than the screen is blurry. <laughs> and I've seen all of your evidence, uh, you know, I'm telling you the screen is blurry. There's got to be someone else who is seeing this. Uh, I'm not right now. I, I promise to take a closer look. And I, I urge you to please keep posting your proof to uh, our I will. Twitter account. And I am, I am genuine when I say, if well, I, I get pushed genuine. far enough, I will make a PowerPoint presentation about this, detailing the shots that are blurry <laughs> and, and pointing them out meticulously. I will. I will. I will win this battle. Reddit Reddit can uh, look forward to a subreddit created by uh, Justin Blizzard. Yeah. Watch out. 11-22-63 Hulu. Reddit. You've got a PowerPoint presentation coming your way. (laughs) Hey, maybe, maybe you should think about upgrading it and do a, do a Prezi. A what? A Prezi. What's that? It's, it's uh, an upgraded PowerPoint. I think, I think it would carry your, your message a little home a little stronger and i think uh you could make sure your images are high resolution on present so mm-hmm. people can clearly see the blur well i mean one one of your 
your examples was a person in motion. <laughs> so I don't know that that really well, proved anything. All, that is a joke, of course, right. because my response to you was, I'm not blurry when I stand up, right? right? So that part was clearly a joke. But the part that is not a joke is that the top part of that screen is complete. Everything is blurry across the board with complete disregard for perspective. And we're talking about a wall where the wall is all on the same plane, right? But for some reason, the top of the wall is blurry. The middle of the wall is not blurry. Even though that wall is the same distance from the camera from at the top as it is at the bottom. Also, one leg on the on the tv tray is blurry we have a blurry the leg that's closest to the camera yeah look at the picture the tv tray one of the legs is blurry maybe the tv tray is getting up it's not it's sitting it's on the floor it's not moving Hmm. i'm still going with it's your player or your tv but i will definitely keep a lookout next time your phone has Vaseline smeared on it, probably. <laughs> I didn't watch it on my phone. That's more likely. How about that? Oh, that's right. You're wa- are you wa- you're watching it on a little? I watched it on a computer monitor. Oh, oh man. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Justin's looking at me like he just checkmated me. <laughs> <laughs> or he's going to eat me. All right. So you're saying about the gas station exchange? Uh, yeah. You know that. Uh, number one, I I was hoping for a better resolution. Then shut your effing mouth. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. That, but what is the better resolution? Uh, I wanted him to say something a little more clever. He's from the future. Yeah. You know? Bring some modern slang back or, you know, I don't know. They really had to force that Wouldn't out, that too. Wouldn't that just be silly? Huh? That seems like it'd be goofy. Uh, not if he picks the right right word. I liked it. Oh, you, you like just the I outburst? Mm-hmm. But but I guess the other thing that kind of that, that kind of got me was... Miss Mimi's like look of of like you know like she just got saved and she's mm-hmm. looking triumphant, but it's all filtered through James Franco, and there's no hint of irony of like, hey boy, I I got this even a little bit, you know? It's just like nope, all these people need Franco, you know? Like he he is the force of white righteousness blazing a trail through 60s America, you know? And I just I just wish there was a little more like um not everything you say and do is right. Mm-hmm. You know? Or it's at least a little more complicated and nuanced than you think it is. But was racism of the 60s more complicated and nuanced than that? I don't know. But but I think that there there can be an aspect because I think it, it it's been apparent in more challenging narratives where somebody takes it upon themselves to be the savior of somebody else. And that other person is like, I don't need you. Even even just a little bit. Even just a little bit mm-hmm. of I don't need you. You know? And I just feel like in any treatment of race in this in this uh show so far it's just james franco with all the power all the righteous power at at his fingertips and uh he's just you know touching everything turning it to to white gold and uh white i just wish that there's a little more nuanced treatment of it. I, you know what i i do want to credit the show for one thing that i saw last night which was 
the scene where they're crawling in the roof. If those spiders and the amount of them that came out, that happened to me, I would have the exact same reaction. <laughs> there was like an egg bursted full of spiders. I would have, I almost screamed in my own apartment. Was that not ridiculously scary? Yeah, I, pr- I probably would have done the same thing. Um, I, I actually thought about that. As much as I, I feel like I didn't want to, I, I probably would have too. Here's my question about that. Was that the past or is that just? Well, yeah, I was going to say Franco immediately blames it on the yeah, past. He did say that. But my thought was like, I'm sure that many spiders could have been up there. Right. Like I didn't. That, think it that was... was a long game. The past was playing. Yeah. Where, where's the past been the past two years? Not only that, they were In actively the trying to get away and not change anything. You know what I mean? So it's not like they were. If anything, I feel like the spiders should have been there when they were setting up all their microphones. That's a very good point. The the past should have been helping them. Well, maybe the past was just trying to get them caught, so they didn't didn't make its presence felt until they were in trouble. Yeah. Maybe the past was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of drunk, are you okay, Chris? What do you mean? Have you recovered from? It's Tuesday. I'm not sure if Saturday night, if the hangover is still going on. <laughs> We, we had a, you know, sometimes when you're home alone playing a video game, you know, you just get a little, you get a little thirsty. And when you don't move for four hours straight and you're just sipping, you tend to not realize. From the bottle. I wasn't sipping from the bottle. You don't yeah. tend to realize no that half it. of the brand new bottle of scotch you just bought is no longer there. Yeah. I don't know anyone who's consistently thirsty for four hours, but <laughs> it's pretty impressive. Wow. Uh, I, I can see Justin marking the time code of what he's going to edit. <laughs> <laughs> His editing code. Oh, from that this is all there. coming out. All yep. coming out, boys. Keep on running your mouths. Good. This is my way to pay back. Uh, what game are you playing? Rocket League. Hmm. Keith came on later and he was playing with me and a couple of my other friends and I was just absolutely atrocious by the, I, I, I mean, it's like drunk driving. I couldn't Mm -hmm. even touch the ball. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I, I thought I was getting pretty decent at the game. Right. And I'm watching all these online tutorials and videos and tips and I'm watching all this stuff. And then in one of them, it was like, now we're going to get into the camera settings because everyone has their own camera settings. Oh, no. And, and that's then they're like, got here's a screenshot of the camera settings that most of the pros use, right? So he put up a, the screenshot. I took a picture of with it with my phone. <clears throat> I get home. I changed the camera settings. I'm like, I'm going to try this out, and it's going like, to take me to the next level. And It was like relearning the game. It's that's what it's turned into. At first, I was like, I knew I'd have to adjust, right? So I play like th- four or five games with it, and I'm like, man, this it's still I I can see the benefits, but it's I'm still not benefiting from them yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it still just feels like I'm missing everything and I'm mis timing everything. <laughs> so I was like, let me. I'm just just for, I, I'm not going to be a pro at this game. I'm never going to play this professionally. I'm never going to compete with these guys. I'm just going back to the default camera. 
But by that point, I had played so much with the new <laughs> settings that I could not go back to the default settings. And it felt like I was basically playing from inside of the car. So now I'm in this weird no man's land where I'm completely uncomfortable playing the game at any level. Is that why I haven't seen you playing it anymore? Yeah. No, I've only played a handful of games since then because I have to relearn everything now. Wow. I guess I'm not going to do that because you actually had me interested. Now I'm talked out of it. Yeah, it's, it's uh, it, you know, try it at your own risk. I got all the way to pro, so I'm, I'm up there at level 20. Yeah. Um, see, I, I, feel like, I feel like your take, Keith, on the racism stuff mm-hmm. is a little cynical. I, I definitely can see that side of it. Okay, yeah. But let 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 me say one last thing, um, to 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 try and prove my point because I I feel like I may have left a little a little gray area that I'm not comfortable with. Here's here's what I'm. Well, you know what I I, I think I think my clarification might actually make it more complicated, <laughs> but uh, but but yeah, basically. I think that in the civil rights movement, um, that there, I'll just say this. I have a problem with the white savior. Oh, there it is. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I see it as more of a, I see it as, as more of a sort of Quentin Tarantino esque Mm -hmm. take on racism where it's like, we're not, this show is not actually about tackling racism and the solution to it and all this stuff, but it's, it feels good to watch somebody tell somebody else who's a blatant racist to go F yourself. Right. And then to see that person just be like a total wiener and put his head down. You know <laughs> yeah. <what I> mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to say that there's that that's not cathartic, but I'm but, just saying that's not a, it, it's not to me. A, a very interesting or engaging examination of of ra- the racial issues of right. America in the sixties or today. And I would say it's it's not trying to be. Maybe it is, but that's not how I, I'm viewing it. But what I will say that I did think that they handled well, that I thought was a nice touch, um, and that was not, you know, either tonally off like the coffee scene, or maybe over the top like the gas station scene, was when he's being interviewed. And he gets the position and the guy's like, mm-hmm. call me Deke. All mm-hmm. of my faculty calls me Deke. And then Miss Mimi, what's her name? Is it Mimi? Miss Mimi, yeah. Walks in and she immediately calls him Mr. So-and-so. You know what I mean? So You're it's right. like you immediately, or at least I was, are sort of um, reminded like exactly. these people are not equal in this Exactly. World. Yeah, but I thought that was a nice little. Yeah, touch. well, and 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 they keep bringing it up. I guess like there, there's that scene where uh, James Franco goes to use the bathroom and he's accidentally walking to the uh, the blacks. Yes. Only bathroom. Yeah. And it, it just keeps coming up in these kind of really obvious ways, and I wish it it just came up in more subtle but, ways but, that trusted us. To why understand. does he have to be a white? Si- why can't he just be like a guy who's off put by all this racism because he's from 2016 
and he's not used to that level of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think they're they're setting him up as a white savior. I think if they don't put that in the show, people will complain. Exactly. No, no. Look, I I think that I'm not saying that there shouldn't be elements of him standing up for racial equality or bringing 2016 values back to the 60s. Right. I'm all for that, but I'm also saying that at that time that there were people making, you know, and, and look, I'll go back to not, not just that time, go back as far as you want. There are people, black people standing up for not just racial equality, but just for basic human decency and human rights that were fighting the system themselves. And they weren't passively waiting for somebody else to come by and fight their battles. You know, but there was a lot of miss Mimi's back then too. We're also in a small town in Texas. Right. Exactly. Look, there are a lot of people. All I'm saying is, is that you, you have two roads diverged in a wood, right? The one road, which they took is the most obvious one. Here are a completely like disempowered group of, of people fighting racial inequality and they have no voice, no power in, in the struggle. And they need somebody to come in and, you know, speak truth to power and change the system. But that person needs to be white. And the other one is a a road less traveled which is maybe more nuanced one where James Franco comes back and is also engaged with people who are fighting for their rights in a way that maybe he didn't assume people were back in that, back in that day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or, uh, you know, I, I, where, where he can actually be impacted by what was being done in that day where he's not just the one like, uh, like again, back to the future where it's like, give me that, a guitar and let me play the riff of Johnny be good and blow your minds. And then let me walk out here and, you know, win this sports betting thing. And then let me go over here and, uh, you know, blow your minds in this other thing. And then let me also, while I'm doing all that, be telling you how you all should act, you know, towards each other. It's, it's just, you know what I mean? It's just like, okay, yeah, you could hit all the high notes, but maybe you could do something a little more nuanced. That's all I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not giving a value judgment. I'm just saying I wish they, and I think they could have gone more nuanced with it. That's all I'm saying. Okay. And so along those same lines, what have you, how have you felt about the cultural references? How have both of you guys felt about this? So like, you know, he talks about uh, from here to eternity a lot with the girl. He talks about the catcher and the rye with the principal I mean, I'm seeing it basically as part of the experience to me that seems that's interesting to me and seems uh, kind of uh, that's just as interesting to me is that he, he James Franco gets to go in the past and basically be right about everything. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Right. So like he's can take the correct stance on the on the on whether or not the catcher and the rye should be in the school libraries. He knows how important the whatever that book he was talking about in the class is going to end up be being historically so he can really drill its importance into the students' heads. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, that part is 
is cool and I think is working, but it also has to happen or else the show is awful. That 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 stuff bores me. Honestly, <laughs> I I think I think it's fine that they're doing it, um, and I'm glad that it's not to the level where the principal's like, "What do you think is Catcher in the Rye book?" And he just mutters, "He's like, can't believe it's the last book we're gonna get from him." And then he's like, "Oh, what'd you say?" He's like, "Oh, nothing." You know, like I'm glad that it's not like uh, le- like he just keeps bumbling into knowledge that uh, that you know the secret knowledge that that, that he has, but. That stuff to me, I, I, I mean, I don't care. I don't care about him being right on all the cultural moments and just being able to be like, right there, this is going to happen, and then keep walking away and, um, and acknowledge it. Why so are you even doing this right now, Keith? Not interesting. Why are you here? Uh, because <laughs> I've read the book. I'm the most informed one about this story. Now on I this know podcast, how frustrating it must be to do a podcast with me, uh-huh. right? Uh huh. How much of it do you really think is colored because you read the book? I mean, a lot of the stuff is not bothering me that much. Is that stuff in the book? No. I I mean, maybe I'm trying to think it didn't stick out to me. But I'm just saying that that stuff has been done and done and done to death. I, I've, we've had other narratives of somebody going back in time and blowing people's minds with their accurate assessment of a cultural object. That stuff to me isn't interesting. And there's so much in this story that is more interesting, you know, or there's a more interesting way for, for this stuff to be dealt with. I feel like than what we're getting, you know, instead what we're getting is this kind of like in my mind, to my mind. Yeah. The white savior thing, the, I understand the importance of everything you, you, uh, yokels are talking about in ways that you can't understand it. But again, that's not the thrust of the shorts of, of the story. That's, that's color, right? That's background. I'll give them all that. It's just not engaging to me. And it's not engaging to me that you have a downstairs neighbor randomly break in and steal all their equipment. Yeah, Who that, does that? that? Whole exchange was insane. And what then, is and that? Then, so then they just burst through the door and claim their FBI. That was weird. And yeah. he has a daughter and he, oh, like, what, what is his plan? Like, did he see the equipment? What, why did he break in there in the first place? And he lives underneath them. Mm-hmm. So it's like, instead of getting, instead of getting the book story in a way that's engaging to me, we get bill and we get, we get, you know, narrative turns like that. Sure. And I guess it doesn't bother me because I haven't read the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know what I'm missing out on. And I feel like what I'm getting is a somewhat competent, entertaining show. I mean, you if you could see your face right now, you look so <laughs> disinterested in what you just said. <laughs> I think if you search your heart, you'd realize... I mean, that's what I'm, I'm saying. That's what myself. I'm saying. I don't know if I'm genuinely interested in this show or if it's that I'm watching this show at work when I have literally nothing to do but sit in my office. You know what I mean? Like, I like, like, 
like this is what I did today. This is what I did. I had a guy come into my office and say, I can't log into my account. So I said, when was the last time you logged into your account? (laughs) And he's like, it's been a long time. So I said, okay. After 30 days, they deactivate your account. Same thing I tell every single person who gets a new account. So I'll put in a new request form and they will create your account again. He leaves. I put in the form. An hour goes by and I watch 112263. Literally, I have not seen another person in the world in that hour. No one has come <laughs> to my office. No one has called me. I don't talk to anybody. I sit in my office and watch this show and I get the email back and they say, this guy's account is still active. He's ne- he's literally never tried to log in once. He still has a temporary password. That's the only thing I had to do today in eight hours of work. Well, I mean, that's the only thing I had to do. That's a pretty exciting twist at the end. Yeah. I thought he was just going to get a new account. It just proves, it just proves my theory about everybody that watches movies and TV shows where most of people's opinions are simply developed by their mood that they're in when they watch the show. Sure. So Mm -hmm. you're just so grateful to be doing something that wasn't work. (laughs) Keith, on the other hand, is just looking for the book to be spit out on the screen because he enjoyed it. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm looking for an interesting take on a good story. That's all I'm looking for. I'm the one who said episode one that I was interested because he seemed to have a a vision for this story. And as it's gone on, their vision has been disappointing to me. I still like the show. I can say I like it. I don't love it. I'm not looking forward to it week to week. But when I'm watching it, it, it goes by pretty smoothly. Other than when Bill is getting knocked unconscious or crying or crying on his way to being knocked unconscious. I feel like the fact that you read the book has compromised the integrity of the podcast. Fine. I think I'm going to start my (laughs) own podcast then. I don't need you to. Okay. If nobody has anything else, I have one more thing. Okay, go ahead. Um, So last episode, if you remember, I was going to say something at the end and I forgot it. I remembered. All right. Hulu, I'm not sure if they do this for every show, but Hulu rate has rated every single episode of the show. TVMA. Under TVMA, mm-hmm. it says L. For language. For language. Including last episode, which is when I wanted to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing it because it comes up after every commercial break. TVMAL. And I remember as we got to the end of the episode, I was like, oh, this is Ray TVMAL for language. I guess he's not going to kill uh, mm. Josh Dumel tonight. Mm-hmm. And then he ends up brutally, graphically yeah. killing him. And then I look again at the next commercial break, and it's just TVMAL. I'm like, does Hulu not understand <laughs> what, the, what the letters are underneath the MA? Mm-hmm. Or what's their standard of violence to give it a V? You know what I mean? And it's like, is this the end of these? uh, I think these ratings are important. Mm -hmm. If you remember, Chris, you, 
you had who uh like HBO as a kid, right? Yeah. Do you remember looking through like TV guide and scheduling? Right. And you oh. were always looking for the end. Right. I was always right? looking for showgirls. When showgirls on again. <laughs> right. But you're you're looking down then you're like, oh, this is rated R. And you see the V and you're like, like okay. Give me the end. Give me the end. Give me the, give the end. end. Give me the end. And it's right. just L and that's it. And you're not watching it. Mm-hmm. Maybe the V will get you. So it's like, yeah, Hulu needs to respect the uh, respect the letters. There should have been more a V accurate. on that one is what you're saying. Should have had a big old V mm-hmm. and the V should have been first. It could have just been an honest mistake. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I was going to check again to this episode and unfortunately... This episode largely only has L in it, mm-hmm. uh, except for a bloody nose. If, I wish okay. they, they could take out the L and put in some more V and N and show would be better. What were you going to say? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have a theory on James Franco's acting. <laughs> I, I think he. I think he is acting out literal directions right i don't think there's any nuance to his acting Mm -hmm. so if you think about the i think it was the last episode the scene where he's staring at the kid yes right he's staring at the young harry Mm -hmm. and it makes him look like a pedophile yes right i'm imagining before that scene is shot the director's just like all right you're gonna sit here and then when harry walks in i just want you to stare at him right and any other normal human being would be like, okay, Harry walks in, he looks over at the kid, maybe looks at him for a little bit, and then looks looks away or something, looks mm-hmm. back at him. What James Franco does is literally looks at the kid until the kid is like not there anymore. Mm-hmm. So the only shot you get is him just like hardcore staring at this kid right. because that's what he was told to do. Right. And then in this episode, you get there's a moment where they're listening to. Is it where they're listening to a speech? Him and the bartender kid are listening to something. Yeah, the governor, Governor Walker. Right. And they're kind of, um, they're kind of like, uh, uh, they're, they're talking to each other Mm -hmm. in between the speech trying to fit. And then the bartender asks a completely rhetorical question and he's like, what does that mean? And then a beat goes by and you, it's, you, I, we as the audience know it's a rhetorical question, right? A beat goes by and then James Franco goes, I don't know. <laughs> right? It's like he doesn't, I imagine him, he, he's like reading the script and it's like, bartender, what does this mean? And then it's like, and it, like, it's like, it's a, like, not, it's like an action. It's like an inaudible line where it just says like, uh, mumbles. Epping, Epping doesn't know. But Franco sees that and he's just like, I don't know. He just, he just he reads says it. I, I am, I'm imagining he's like, um, he's like Anchorman. Exactly. He's like Anchorman where he's just reading anything that's put in front of him. <laughs> so that's what I think is off. He just is a little too literal, even though I, I actually liked him more in this episode than in the others. I think he's just a little too literal. He's a little too stiff. Yeah. I thought the shut the F up line was forced. I felt like that was a perfect example of what you were just saying. Mm. The director is like, now yeah, shut the F up. And then he's just like, uh, shut the F up. <laughs> that felt way forced. 
I almost, was he wearing a hat? I almost wish his hat would have like jumped off his head when he yelled that. <laughs> right. I uh I want like the oral history of this from that boy's perspective too. It'd be like, so what was it like in your one scene with James Franco? He's like, he just wouldn't stop staring at me. <laughs> we had to do it like three times and he just kept staring at me, even when we cut. He just wouldn't stop. Yeah, no, I think that's like it, it seems to fit. And and James Franco uh, you know, I yeah, I I think we kind of nailed it. I think you nailed it with that. There's no way to prove or disprove your theory. Mm-hmm. But then also, I think he is a weird dude. And then there's stuff like the more that I see him, the more I realize like he's not he he's not like funny independently of what's written for him mm-hmm. like you didn't see the um which one where they assassinate the interview uh, the interview he is not funny in the interview yeah and i think because the well, interview is a fair, lot nobody's funny in the interview right because i think i think a lot of it's based on um like ad-libbing mm-hmm. and i think you're right like he's like just what do i say mm-hmm. you know what do i do just give me something to say and do and i'll be good mm-hmm. and yeah it seems to. I think you're onto something. Okay. Final. Any final thoughts? Um, did anybody watch the preview for the next episode? I did, and I've already forgotten it. I was literally gonna mimic what you just said. I did watch it, and I have no clue what I saw. <laughs> what What do you think of uh, Oswald and how he's being acted? Whatever. Yeah, I guess there hasn't been enough to pass any sort of judgment so far, but uh, I think it's interesting. Um, I mean, wasn't the rumor always that he was sort of uh, weird? Hot-tempered? Yeah. Yeah, I want to go back and read a little more about Oswald, because this guy is playing him as extremely unhinged. Yeah. And uh, and he's a little, he's a little much mm-hmm. uh, for me. Um, the other thing that, that I want to ask about and this, and this is maybe my contribution going back to the, uh, James Franco being literal part. What about the scene where he goes to celebrate in the, um, in Dallas with Bill and they go to Jack Ruby's club Mm -hmm. and the guy introduces himself as Jack Ruby. And James Franco literally, for the next three scenes where it cuts to him, still cannot get over the fact that he's just shaking hands with Jack Ruby. If they show, just, oh. if there's a scene where James Franco is winning a hand at poker, I'm turning it off. Exactly. Exactly. That's, he was freaked out. If that guy gets out. dealt pocket aces, you're, you're going to see the same face. <laughs> holy, holy crap. That's pocket aces. Exactly. And that's how, that's what is so bizarre, I think, for me, with James Franco's acting on the show, especially, is you don't know if it's intentional or not, but you're just like, if anybody responded that way to me, I would immediately, I like, know them for the rest of my life. Right. It would stand out. Jack Ruby, that would be enough to change the history, because Jack Ruby would be like, what was that look for? Exactly. I think Why that guy was a time traveler. <laughs> That's exactly what I'd be thinking. And and James Franco has been doing that entire 
series, and I, I want to know why. I want to know why. Yeah. All right. Maybe we can get him on the show. <laughs> sure. I'll leave that up to you. We'll, we'll tell him it's some kind of art project. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so you've been listening to Everything is Television. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter. We are at EI Podcasts, where you will find valuable evidence for my blurry screen case. Uh, and I will be posting more as I... Actually, you know what? I won't. I will have to put a presentation together without going into the details. I will have to... Uh, I will be working on a portfolio for the next right. uh, it, it five It expects a EI Podcast YouTube channel to yeah, uh, exactly. come up in the next few weeks with um, a PowerPoint presentation. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Blizzard with nine Zs. I'm at Things Come Right. And I'm at KK Summers. You can uh, go to our website, eipodcast.com, for any more details. Or you can get the details from the show notes, links to all the stuff we talked about. Uh, Other than that, unless anybody else has anything to add. What a great show. (laughs) Well... See you later. (laughs) All right. We'll see you uh, next week. Bye.